Thanks. Thank you. I'm just going to read a short passage from Second Kings chapter 6 from verse 8. We read, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Thank God for his word to us today. Let's just pray. Father, we just ask again that you'll open your word and speak into each of our hearts. Lord, that you'll apply your word to our lives and help us to see and to understand and to respond to the challenge that it brings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we've made clear this morning, the Ferguson family will soon be setting off for the United States. So let me then begin what I'm going to say this morning by sharing with you an incident from the life of probably the greatest American president, Abraham Lincoln. For during the American Civil War, Lincoln used to meet regularly with a group of pastors for prayer breakfast. And on one of, the, on one of these occasions, at one of them, one pastor said to him, Mr. Lincoln, let us pray that God is on our side. Straight back came Lincoln's reply. No, gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. Uh, Not for the first time, Lincoln definitely got it right. That That true faith, mature faith, isn't a tool that we can use to get God to do what we want. Nor is it a rubber stamp that we can use to validate what we have decided to do. No, real faith, true faith, is about us coming in obedience, coming with open and submissive hearts, ready to be, to do whatever God wants, ready to go wherever He chooses to send us. Now, with that in mind, there are just two things that I want to focus 
on with you this morning. God's call and then God-given vision. So first then, God's call. God's call, something that's key in the life of any pastor. Indeed, that's key to the life of all of God's people who are all called by God to serve. So when do we know, how do we know, when and where God's calling us to serve? Now what a question that is. And at some time in the near future, I I intend to do a series with you, a short series with you on God's will. But for now, just let me say that I don't believe that there is any one simple formula for finding God's will. I don't believe that there's any kind of simple, semi-scientific, if you like, way of arriving at God's will. It really is much more of an art than a science. Now, of course, there are various elements that, that can and that should play an important part in us finding God's will. Things like, for instance, God's word. But let me be clear as I say that. I am not an advocate of the kind of, I've got an important decision to make, so let's just throw open the Bible, jab my finger, and whatever verse I found there, I will allow to dictate my decisions. I'm not a fan of that. If we're steadily, systematically reading God's Word, and we find truth that that speaks clearly into our situation, then that's one thing, yes. But using God's Word in a kind of semi-magical, superstitious way, That, I have to say, I'm not comfortable with. But, of course, there are other aids that can help us to find God's will. Life circumstances, wise Christian counsel, the leading of the Holy Spirit, all of these can play a part in us finding God's call to us. But, of course, you know, there's always a danger in all of these things. In the the flesh... We can use them, we can twist these things to help us to fulfill what are our desires rather than God's will. For we can find verses in the Bible and we can twist them and use them because people have to justify almost anything. And we can be very selective in the way we use and interpret circumstances in life. And it's not too hard if we ask enough people, if we seek out counsellors, say, who we can influence, even bully. It's not too hard for us to find counsellors who will agree with almost anything. And as for the leading of the Spirit, don't we all know that it can be so easy to convince ourselves that what we want is the Spirit's leading? So you see, all of these things can play a part in guidance. They can play a part in finding God's call, finding God's will for our lives, as can other more unusual, miraculous things like dreams and visions. But they are not, in my view, what's fundamental in guidance. No, what's fundamental is a godly, Christ-like character. What's fundamental is a character that's formed as we do come to God with an open, submissive heart. And we come with that heart as we read God's Word, as we come to Him in prayer. You see, that then leads us to live lives of obedience to God right across the board. And you see, it's this kind of godly character, of Christ-like character, that then enables us to interpret all the other information that comes into our lives. 
that enables us to then work through the circumstances of life and through it all to find God's call, to find God's will for our life. But finding what we believe is God's will, God's call. How important is that? And what do we do with that? Well, let me just share some some things personally with you here. I want to say to you, it's believing that I have been called of God that has kept me going through some pretty rough patches in ministry and in life. You know, there have been times during my time in ministry when it's only been the call of God that's kept me hanging on, that's kept me going. There have been times when really everything in me has just wanted to give up and walk away and find something else to do. Times when all that's kept me in a situation is my conviction that it is God that's called me into it. And I want to say, I believe that the call of God is a sacred thing. When God calls you into something, you don't give up on that call until God calls you again. Till God calls you away. You don't let troubles, problems, or the prospect of something that seems better on the horizon call you away. You don't do that because you see it's by facing up to and working through troubles and problems that you grow personally and that God is glorified. And that's something better on the horizon. Quite simply I want to say that if God is not with you in that it won't be better. Humanly speaking it might be more comfortable but it won't truly be better because it won't fulfill you. It won't bring you joy. The kind of joy that no other joy is like when you're doing the will of God. It won't bring you that blessing of God that is like nothing else. The call of God is essential to any form of Christian service. And loyalty to that call is a key responsibility for the Christian. I don't want to say God does sometimes call his people to tough places. God does sometimes call his people to travel through difficult times. What else can we expect following Jesus Christ? But we don't and we shouldn't give up. Though trusting in God's strength, relying on God's wisdom, we trust in God. Not in ourselves, in him to carry us through. I want to move on now from God's call to God-given vision. Focusing here just for a minute or two on this well-known incident involving Elisha and his servant from 2 Kings 6. And basically what you've got here are two men faced by exactly the same situation. But seeing it in entirely different ways. You see, Elisha's servant looks out. And all he sees are enemies and threats and problems. And so he just wants to to give up. Verse 15, oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. But you see, as Elisha looked out on exactly the same situation, what he saw were the armies of the Lord surrounding him and all his enemies. What he saw 
were the incredible, inexhaustible resources that God made available to him through faith. What he saw were not problems that threatened to overwhelm him, but rather challenges that God could enable him to overcome. And by doing so, by the way that he lived and responded, so then point to the glory and the majesty of God. But you see, the roots of all of this lie in the heart. For this servant, at his core, as he shows, was dominated by self. This servant was concerned above all about self. He was concerned about his personal safety, about his own well-being. And this world's vision then formed this man's, this world's value, sorry, formed this man's vision and his outlook on life. Elisha, though, to the contrary, he was a man who at his core was a man of faith. Trust in God. Passion for God. Obedience to God. These, you see, were the drivers in his life that formed his vision, that formed his outlook on life. And you know, it is is a fact that it's what is in our hearts that will determine the direction of our lives. And this will show, it will show in the way that we live out our lives. It will show in what we value in life. It will show in the direction we travel in life. And it will show in what we achieve by our life. Let me just share with you a a story I read this week that relates to this. And it's a story about a man who is enjoying a walk down a country road. And along the way, he came across by the side of the road a big stone quarry. And he saw a number of men working there. And being a, a sociable kind of man, he decided that he'd stop for a chat. And in the course of this, he asked three of these men who were working there what they were doing. And the first one, He replied irritably, Can't you see what I'm doing? I'm hewing a stone. I'm fashioning and forming a stone. The second man answered him without even looking up. He said, I'm earning £400 a week. The third man put down his pick, stuck out his chest, and then said, What I'm doing? Let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm building a cathedral. You see, this man, he wasn't focused on on what other people were doing. Those who might be seen as more important than him, maybe the architect, the foreman or whatever. No, this man, his focus was on what he was doing and on seeking to do it to the best of his ability. He wasn't like that first man, focused on what had to be done. Just getting by, getting it over and done with, doing the minimum that had to be done. Nor was he like that second man, working for a paycheck, focused on what was in it for him and what he might get out of it. No, rather, he was focused on the big picture. You see, it is a matter of vision. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of being able to see beyond the here and now. It's a matter of us getting the big picture. And then doing what we can. By our service. By our faithfulness. Doing what we can to play our little part in the big purposes of God. So Ross and Miriam, I want to finish today by saying to you, I'm sure that there will be many great things about North Dakota and about Faith Baptist Church. 
I'm sure, I know that you'll find yourself part of a loving and warm, hospitable community. And I'm sure that as a family, you'll find yourself doing lots of new and exciting things, including frozen duck bowling during Goosefest. And I want a picture of that, by the way. But at the same time, you will face challenges there. You will. It's a very different culture. What at times is undoubtedly a demanding climate. And this will be a time of upheaval for you and for the girls. A time when you'll really miss at times. I know you will, your family and friends. And along the way you will face problems at times in church life and in reaching out to the community that you're setting and that church is setting. But I want to say to you, remember God's call and stay true to it. Face up to problems, deal with them, work through them, see them as challenges that God has the resources to give you to deal with. And that as you deal with them graciously and in a God-honoring way that can be used by Him, that you can be used by God in every circumstance to bring glory to His name. And please, again and again, seek that godly vision. Seek that vision of how maybe at times what seems the little things you are able to do can all play their part in the big purposes of God. So while Faith Baptist might not become a huge church while you're there, maybe not, that's probably unlikely in a community of 1,500 people. Yet I pray that in the future, when the day comes, when it's time for you to move on from there, my prayer is that you'll be able to look at that church and say that this church has matured and grown and developed during my time here. Perhaps numerically, but above all, spiritually. My prayer is that you'll be able to look and to see that your little efforts and the efforts of God's people have been used by Him to do something significant among the people of God in that community. That's my prayer and the prayer of God's people here in Hamilton for you. Let's just pray together now. Father, we want to thank you for your word and Lord, we acknowledge that it's a word to each one of us that you do call your people and your call is a sacred thing that we're called to seek you, to be led by you and then as we're led by you, we're seek to seek to follow you and be obedient and to keep on serving until you call us to do otherwise. And Father, we do ask again that you'll give each of us that, that God-given vision because there are enemies all around us. We know that in the society we're part of here today, that it's a society that's against God. But Lord, help us to see the bigger context. That you are God, that you are mighty, that you are all-powerful. And that you will win the victory. And it's your desire to work through your people. And how we pray that you will be at work in Ross and Miriam as they go there to North Dakota. We pray for them, that you'll use them in that community that you'll help them to adapt to that culture and that you'll be with the girls too. Lord, may they settle in well. May they find new friends and find new families that they can be a part of. We pray your blessing and protection upon them, upon the fellowship there, and we pray it for ourselves, our own lives and for our own church here. And all this we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish off by singing together a song. A song that's a reminder to us that we need him, we need Jesus as the cornerstone of our lives wherever we go if we're to be the people he's called us to be.
To be seated for a moment, I'm just going to ask Ross just to share a wee bit here. I didn't, didn't think I was so easily forgettable, but some things don't change. David forgot uh, my little bit, so bear with me one more minute, and then we'll pray and we'll go and have some food. Um, I just think the, the videos that were shown just shows that Americans are more crazy than Scottish people, which means I'm going to get more crazy myself uh, in the future. But thank you for all your kind words. Um, for all the things that have been said this morning. David's had two points. Here's my 33 points uh, for then. No, in all seriousness, just a, a few things in closing. I've limited myself to four things because three is the typical thing pastors do and I always like to do just one better. But here's just the four things I want to quickly say before we go and have some food together. Firstly, over the last, I'm going to read it out to avoid myself crying. Um, Firstly, over the last two years, the ministry here at Hamilton Baptist has been incredibly busy. I've had some late nights, and Miriam and I have also served together in leading ministries. During this time, Andrew and Amy Gunning have supported us and facilitated this service by constantly offering babysitting for our kids. The more we poured our hearts into the church here, the more they cared for our kids. This allowed Miriam and I to serve knowing our kids are being cared for. Thank you for looking after them. I've had the privilege of discipling Andrew over the last two years and it has been a joy to see him grow and recently become a deacon. Andrew has been my right-hand man, serving tirelessly in numerous ministries and although Callum mentioned myself with soul services, it again could not happen unless Andrew served so willingly in the last two years. Andrew, I leave you with these verses that Paul wrote about Onesimus in Philemon. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on my behalf. Andrew, you are a friend, but more than that, you are Onesimus. Thank you, and I pray that your service at Hamilton Baptist will be a biblically strong deacon. To the leadership at Hamilton Baptist, to the deacons, to the elders, and of course to my fellow pastors. It has been a joy and privilege, and certainly at times a challenge, to serve alongside you all. I have learnt much from you and I have been encouraged by you. I have equally been chastised by you a couple of times. I was reminded recently in a letter of John 3.30, He must increase, but I must decrease. So in leaving, let me encourage you as leaders to serve Jesus with full humility, to serve in your roles not as individuals seeking status or your own agenda, but to serve more like Jesus. Hold strong to biblical teaching, lead this church to be students of the word, to serve wholeheartedly and to love Jesus. Leaders, I leave you with these verses from 1 Peter 5. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful game, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. To all the young adults, who we have spent so much time with over the last two years. We have laughed, we have cried, and we've even had some fairly heated debates in our house. 
We hold as our memories competitive, articulate playing when Linda Agoto called me stupid numerous times, spending time with Julian discussing faith over pizza with a shock surprise that Evangeline does eat Domino's pizza. And of course, our weekend away when you learnt our kids do indeed get up at five in the morning. It has been a joy to see you grow, to see you delve more into God's word, and we continue to pray that you further grow. Young adults, I leave you with these verses from Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Young adults, live for Jesus. Be on fire for him. Stop the excuses. Don't fill your life with junk. Make it simple. Just live for Jesus. Finally, to everybody here at Hamilton Baptist. Thank you for letting me be your pastor for the last two years. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for helping us raise our children. The beauty in being a Christian is that you are our family in Christ. And although we will soon be separated by four and a half thousand miles, we will always be one in Jesus. Church here at Hamilton, I leave you with these verses from Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number, day by day, those who were being saved. Hamilton Baptist, be the church that God calls you to be. Never falter in your passion for Jesus. And above all, love Jesus and love others. Because we are told that love never fails. So how can you as a church fail if you have love? If you allow me just one more privilege, I would just like to pray for all of you. And then you can go through and have plenty of food. Let's pray. Father, I just praise you for the last two years, for all the things that you have done in this church, for all the souls that have been reached, for all the hearts that have continued to follow you. And Father, we praise you for every minute we have spent with this family here. Father, as things change this year for Hamilton Baptist, as a successor to my role comes in, as the leadership implant a new vision for the church, Father, I pray that you will allow this church great and phenomenal success in furthering your kingdom. And Father, I finish with just a few verses from the Getty song, O Church Arise. O Church Arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong and in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we will stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cries love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. 
and with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valour. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure, and Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Father, we praise you for who you are, and bless the food that we are now to receive in the fellowship we will partake in. In your wonderful and glorious name, amen.